Welcome to the Emmanuel Church Podcast, where we believe God is with us and speaks to us wherever we're at, whether at work, home, or on the move. We'd love for you to be connected with us by visiting us at myemmanuelchurch.com or any social media platform using at myemmanuelchurch. Thanks for being with us, and we hope you enjoy this message. take a seat this morning. I am Pastor Gabe. So nice to have you here in the house of God here at Emmanuel Church here today. If you are watching online, welcome as well. Welcome to our online family. We're glad that you are here with us. And we, um, today before we get into the word, just of course, our regular reminders that um, this is not the only time that we meet together, and we would love to have you join us on Tuesdays. We meet together for e-groups, which is our small group ministry where we get together and study the Word together, pray together, and we are studying a book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, Tuesdays at 7.30 in our annex building next door to our main building. So we'd love to have you here. And be with us, aside from joining us here on Sundays. And that is in person only. We don't have an online option for that at the moment. Uh, we would also like to uh, invite you to give if you want to be able to bless the ministry, bless this ministry. If we have blessed you and you want to give and support what we do here, you can give here in the lobby if you are here in person. Or give online by going to myemmanuelchurch.com slash give. Or you can text the number 84321 with the amount you want to give, and you can give online as well. Uh, one last thing is that next Sunday we will be having a, a baptism. We kind of have put it off for a little while. But next Sunday we will be uh, celebrating bapti- a baptism. And so we are excited for that. And if you're not excited, then um, we'll pray for you. Uh, we, we are excited for that, though. Once again, welcome. We're glad that you are here. We are closing out a series today called Fresh A New Look. And today is our closing message of that. And before we get into the word, let's just take a moment to ask the Holy Spirit to open our hearts to what he has to say to us today. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be here in your presence. We thank you for those who are here watching us online. Whoever will hear this at a later time, just we ask that your Holy Spirit Open our hearts, open our minds to receive what you have to say to us today. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The title of my sermon today is Too Close to the Sun. If you're not familiar with the Greek myth of Icarus, I don't know if you've ever heard of it. uh, There is a myth of a man named Daedalus and his son Icarus. And the story is a textbook story of pride. Daedalus was a very proud man. And in this story, his pride gets the better of him. The moment someone uh, rises up and think, and he thinks that they could be better than them, he kills them. He gets rid of the competition. And as such, he is uh, punished for that. He is punished for that and punished for other things that his pride had led him to. And him and his son end up on a prison island exiled. And even then, he says, this prison is so, so much so that it won't contain me because I'm that good. I'm that intelligent. I'm that, I am all of that. 
And so he creates a way for them to escape, gathering feathers from birds that have fallen from the sky and using wax to create these wings. And and these wings for him and a pair for his son Icarus. And before they make their escape from the island, he tells his son, he says, don't, he says, for what we have to do as we are escaping, he says, two things, don't fly too low. Or else the water from the sea water from the ocean will destroy the wax and the wings will fall apart. He says, also don't fly too high. Because if you fly too high, then the wax will be melted by the sun. And you will also fall. And so as they're going about, they have to stay in this middle ground to be able to escape properly and survive this ordeal. Yet Icarus being overcome with pride and the feeling that he was feeling, I can fly higher. I can do more. I can be better. I can go higher. Ends up going closer and closer and closer to the sun. Evidently, he didn't pay attention to the warning that his father gave him. And the wax melted on his wings and caused him to fall to his doom. His father now overcome with uh, pain and grief and sorrow because his son didn't listen to him simply because he was so much like him. Both of them had this sense of pride that, oh, that trumped everything else and caused them to fall to their demise. The Bible says a lot about the topic of pride. Especially the book of Proverbs. We often hear from the book of Proverbs that pride comes before destruction. Uh, uh, pride comes before a fall. A haughty spirit, the spirit of I am better than you, I am better than everyone, always precedes destruction. Always precedes destruction. And the Bible has so much to say on the topic of pride. And that is what we're talking about today. And the church has often been a place where people have struggled with pride. I'm no stranger to it. I have struggled with this, with pride in my life. This past week on Twitter, I saw a tweet that said, that just to me exemplified the idea of pride in the modern church today. And it was from a politician and he said, Christianity will have power. Christianity will have power. And I began to sort through the replies and I could see many people agreed with him, just saying amen and praise God. And this is the kind of thing, at some point in my life, I may have been inclined to agree with him. I might have been inclined to agree with him. But then as I looked through the tweets, I started to ponder how disillusioned we are with the reality of who Jesus was because Jesus would never support this kind of statement. He wasn't about power. He wasn't looking for his own power. Oftentimes, people wanted to make him king, wanted to put him up, wanted to take him so that he could lead them in a revolution against the Romans and they could finally be free of Roman rule. But we have become so disillusioned with power that we don't even realize the position of privilege that we are often in. Christianity has actually been the main source of political power in the world, in the modern world as we know it. When Christianity became the ruling force of Rome, 
Many years ago, under the Roman Emperor Constantine, Christianity then became a major world religion and a major world power. So much so that we even see the, the so much so we see the creation of the 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 power that eventually the Catholic Church had at one point in time in history, where the church even uh, was for the expansion and empire of European nations, even working so much as to divide the, the, the new world amongst them. Christianity had power and political power and influence, and even still today in the United States, we are in a position of privilege oftentimes. A lot of times we'll hear Christians say about how we're being persecuted without realizing that we have a position of privilege. Where a majority of Christian, a majority of people in the United States call themselves Christian. A majority of the people in the United States call themselves Christian. Now that has changed in some reach in time, but the truth is, is that Christians have had power before. But this is not what Jesus has been about. This is not what he would want us to be. Yet, we have strived to hold on to that power. We have strived to hold on to that ability, and we have used it to judge others, to put people down, and to bring them down. In fact, so much so to a point that a lot of people in the church today are upset about cancel culture. You know what cancel culture is, if you've heard of cancel culture. You tweet one wrong thing, one wrong, you say one wrong thing, you're caught on video saying one wrong thing, and your career is ruined. Right? That's, That's what cancel culture is. But what we don't know, what we forget about, is that Christians are the ones who perfected cancel culture. We were the ones who in the early 80s and 90s, the moment someone stepped out of line with Christian beliefs, immediately began attacking them. We were the ones who strived to take down corporations like Starbucks because they didn't put Christmas on their cups. We were the ones who started to try and push the the efforts to cancel things that didn't meet with our standards. So the church has often been the one that pushed cancel culture. And we wonder why today, why is that being used against the church? Well, the Bible says in Matthew 7, 12, 7, 2, with what the measure you judge with, it'll also be judged with you. So the church is just receiving what it's put out. We have been in this place where we think we are better. We know better. We know the best for humanity. We know the best for everybody. When really it's not us who has that answer, but Jesus. And Jesus definitely has a problem with the way we deal with pride. And like I said, I'm no stranger to pride. When I was in uh, Bible school about, oh, I don't even know. It feels like eternity ago. I graduated in 2011, which was like 10, 10 years ago. And I just realized that. I graduated 10 years ago from, from my Bible school days. And when I was in Bible school, when I first started, I ended up being part of the student council. And I, I, I was elected as one of the officers in my student council. And because of that, we had this group that we would be together and we would help make decisions, events, and other things for the school. And I remember, we, I don't remember exactly what we were talking about. We were talking about something. And I raised my voice, uh, you know, I, I threw in my two cents. I had a suggestion. I said, you know what? I think this would be a good idea. We should do this. And someone else in that meeting who had been there and was on staff in the school and had been there for a long time mentioned that they said, you know, I, we appreciate, thank you for the input, but I think that wouldn't work with this, this, and that. 
And I didn't say anything, but in my heart, in my head, I was thinking, how dare you? Do you know who I am? I'm a pastor, son. I have been in and around ministry since I was a kid. I know what I'm talking about. Who are you? That's how I was. That's how I was. You should be listening to me. That's what I was thinking. I had such pride in my heart that I didn't even see it at the time. Because I thought I was right. And that attitude is very, that kind of attitude, that prideful attitude is often very prevalent today. We see it all over social media. You need to help me and I'm always right because I'm the customer. I know better than you. You don't deserve to be here. This is our country. Get out. This is my country. I am a man of a woman of God and you are in sin. So you should change what you're doing because I don't like it. Those sound like ridiculous things, but these are true events that have been documented on social media, videos and people. And oftentimes it's always the people that are wearing crosses that are Christians, that have bumper stickers that say God listens on them, and they're the ones that are often in these positions that give the church a bad name. And we're like, but it's not all of us. Sure, it's not all of us, but we have oftentimes played into it or defended or even are a part of the culture without even realizing that we have allowed pride to take root in our lives and our hearts and the way we do things. The church has become obsessed with people following our rules. We want the nation to follow everything that the Bible says without really considering the other people that are in the the nation that we live in. We want more for ourselves rather than others. Pride dilutes the gospel and corrupts our hearts. Pride dilutes the gospel and and, and corrupts our hearts. Yet we have been called to live a life of humility. But we have let pride take its place. And Jesus had something to say about this. He tells a story in Luke chapter 18, verses verses 9 to 14. And he says, he's telling a story and teaching about pride. And in your Bibles, they might have a subtitle that says, The Pharisee and the Tax Collector. In other words, the religious person and the sinner. To some of those who were confident in their own righteousness, he then looked down on everybody else. Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people. I thank you that I'm not like other people. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, And I am, or even like this tax collector, sitting right there in full view. You ever had someone say something about you and you're like, I'm right here. Hello. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. Verse 13. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and he said, God, Have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus said, I tell you, this man rather than the other went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And all those who humble themselves will be exalted. 
So Jesus had some strong words for pride in our lives. Because like I said, pride dilutes the gospel. It corrupts our heart. It corrupts our view on God. It corrupts our view on people. And it corrupts our view uh, on the truth that is around us, the value of people around us. And so we've got to learn a little bit about what pride is because pride can be a tricky emotion or a feeling because it's not always entirely bad. Pride is an inwardly directed emotion that carries positive and negative connotations with it. It can be good. You have pride in your family. I'm proud of my family, where we've come from. You know, we're, we have pride in our, our nationality. We have pride in um, uh, our ethnicity. You know, we have pride in where we, we where we where we're from. We have pride in our city. We have pride in our sports teams. We have pride in these things, and they're not inherently bad to have this kind of pride. It's not inherently bad. It's good to have some pride in yourself that helps build self-confidence. I'm proud of something that I have done or proud of something that I have accomplished. It's not a bad thing to have these kind of emotions. Yet, if we allow it to, pride can creep in to take over, take precedence over everything else and allows us to begin to think that we are better than other people. Simply because of how we feel about our family, how we feel about our nation, how we feel about our faith. It can take place of everything else in our lives and ultimately say that I am more than others. This is, this is what pride does. It gets into our lives. It gets into the lives. Uh, it gets into the systems of the church and it makes us think that just because of what we believe, we are somehow better than others. This kind of pride has been used to justify slavery in the church, saying inherently those who are white are better than those who are black, so they deserve to be enslaved. This is pride at its most to say that we as the church are somehow better so we get to decide who comes in the door and who is worthy of our time and opportunities to be here. This is what pride does to us as a church. How do we recognize it in our own lives? We've got to ask ourselves some questions. How do we respond to praise if someone gives you a compliment? I've never been good with compliments. I, I, I would always shy away from receiving compliments. But how do we respond to praise? We've got to ask ourselves, when people give me praise, what do I do with it? And some, some of us might think, oh, well, the right thing to do is simply to say, oh, well, God, God gets all the glory for that. God gets all the glory. When I've often found and learned that that's often false humility because we don't even have a good sense of ourselves. But a lot of times we can tell if pride is a problem in our lives, if we get praise and we think, I deserve that. That's, that's what I deserve. We can see pride in our hearts and how we respond to criticism. If someone brings a critique before you, do you immediately get defensive? Defending yourself, telling yourself, no, 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 that, that's not me. That's not what I was trying to do. That's not what I was saying. You misunderstood and I clearly know better. Do we respond to criticism negatively or do we receive it and say, you know what, I'm going to think about that. I'm going to pray on that. I'm going to take that. Or do we lash out? How do we respond to rejection? 
People don't do well with rejection. I don't think anybody does well with rejection. Have you ever been rejected? Ask someone out and they reject you. <sighs> it's not a good feeling. It's not a nice feeling. But we live in a culture that oftentimes where people that are rejected, they take, they don't take no for an answer. And that's why we have, we see this pride that wells up in them and they don't deal with rejection well. What do they do? They end up hurting people because of rejection. They lash out. Because I'm worth it. You, they don't know what they're missing. They don't know. How do we respond to advice? If someone gives us a word of advice, hey, you know, I think that you should work on this. I think that uh, this would help you out if you did this. How do we respond to advice? Do we put brush it off and say, you know, I don't need that. I don't need that. Someone tells you, you know what? I think ben, ther- therapy would be good for you. How dare they? Man, I don't need therapy. I don't need that. Oh, you, you should go to church. Oh, I don't need church. I don't need God. I don't, need Jesus. I don't need anybody. I just need me. If we ask ourselves these questions, we might find that we might be dealing with issues with pride. And sometimes it's not so extreme where we immediately just uh, lash out or hurt others. But sometimes we internalize the answers to these things. We don't outwardly uh, express it, but it's internalized in us. We begin to build up hatred for the people who think that we need something or we're not better than we think we are. And so it's not expressed in lashing out, but it's expressed in hatred that builds up in our heart and bitterness that builds up in our heart. And we push people away. How does pride then grow in our heart? How, how, how have we come to a point then that we have allowed pride to be in our lives? Because it doesn't just happen overnight. It's a result of a lot of different things. It can be a result of culture. You built it. It's built into culture. And so if you are a part of that culture, that pride can be built into you without you even understanding it, without you even realizing it. It can be built into you. So there's, there's that element that we might not be able to understand. We have to learn to recognize that. We have to learn to recognize that. So the way we recognize if we are in a space or if we are part of a culture of a church or a place that has pride built into it to an unhealthy level, we need only ask those same questions about the place we are in. When someone criticizes the church for something, what do they do? Do they defend it? Do they deny it? When someone has a word of advice on how the church or that place should work, do they cast that person out? push them away, say, you don't belong here because you don't think like us? Do they do these kind of things? Do they reject people? Or do they puff themselves up? So if we are part of that culture, first of all, we can be part of a culture, so we have to recognize that. First, we have to recognize that. How does it grow in our hearts? Pride can grow in our hearts because of lack of gratitude. When we refuse to be grateful for the blessings that we have in our lives. We have a lot. This is one of the wealthiest nations on the planet, and we have more oftentimes than others will ever have in their lives. There are many nations in the world where they say they live on the equivalent of what is a dollar twenty-five a day. And yet we spend more than that on coffee at Starbucks or at McDonald's. We spend more than that 
just going through our day without even realizing it. We have so much to be thankful for, so much to be grateful for, but if we do not practice gratitude, we end up becoming prideful. I deserve what I have. It's mine, so I deserve it. Pride grows in our hearts because of lack of close relationships. We don't have people in our lives to help uh, pick us up or kick us down a notch when we need it. A lot of times pride will be allowed to grow in our lives when we have no one around to tell us that something is happening. We don't really open up to people. We don't really open up to others or no one is really actually close to us. We have a lot of friends, but we don't really have anyone that is there for us. Anyone that is around us. There was a... a, a psychologist that I was watching a video about, and he said one of the things in men, one of the reasons men die earlier than others and, and oftentimes struggle with a lot of things is because they're lonely. He says, I always ask the question at the end of my sessions, who in your life do you have close relationships with of other men? And oftentimes the answer is no one. No one. And it's not just men. It, it can be anyone. The truth is, uh, many of us might struggle with pride or other things in our lives because we have no one that is there for us. We are simply going through life alone. Pride grows in our hearts through a lack of trust. Not, Not close relationships with people, but trust in God. When we choose to believe in our own abilities and and our trust in our own resources more than God, we have allowed pride to come into our hearts. Say, I don't need God. I don't need to give. I don't need to do these things because you know what? I may, I have a job that does what it, what it needs to. I don't need anything from God. I don't need Him for my resources. I don't need Him because I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. I'm strong enough. I'm capable enough. So what do I need to pray for? What do I, what do I need? What do I need for that? That's how we allow pride to come in. We don't trust God. And the fourth way we allow pride to come into our lives is we cover up our mistakes and our sins. We hide it. We hide it. We keep it close to our chest. When we fail, we don't tell anybody. When we're struggling, we don't tell anybody. We're struggling with addiction, no one knows. We're struggling with mental health issues, no one knows. When we're struggling with sin, no one knows. And if someone were to find out We simply lie it away, making the problem worse. We lie about it. So what what happened with King David in the Bible, he ended up killing a man because he slept with his wife. And then when the prophet said, hey, this is what's going on, he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Who is this man? He's like, that's you. Oh God, you're right. It is me. But we keep it close to our chest. We don't allow anyone else to know. We cover it up. And so what happens is we start to buy our own lies. We start to believe that that's true. You know what? I am good. I am perfect. Nobody knows. Sure, everybody makes mistakes. But the truth is, I am perfect. We may not say it outright that we're like Jesus or something. But we believe that somehow we are better than other people. And when people are struggling with the same kind of sins, we instead push them down instead of reaching out and say, hey, me too. Me too. We cover it up. We wear a mask. 
and we allow pride to come into our hearts, it causes consequences for our spiritual lives, for our mental health, for other things. It breaks us. Pride results in prayerlessness. When we say we don't trust God for anything, yet we call ourselves a Christian, we will not pray. There won't be any need to. So we will be far from God. We will be keeping ourselves from God on purpose because what's the need to pray? I'm fine. I'm good. I'm not struggling. I don't got problems. God doesn't need to know. God doesn't need to know. So it results in prayerlessness. We, we end up wondering, and then we might find ourselves one day in church wondering, why do I feel so far from God? And yet we're not even taking time to pray. Pride tells us that you don't need to pray, though. You don't need God. What do you need God for? Pride results in hypocrisy. It causes us to live a double life. We often bring judgment on others, as I've mentioned, while simultaneously struggling with the same things. And so we live this double life thinking that we are better than others somehow. Somehow. We don't, we, sometimes we don't even have a rational explanation for it. I am better than you. Why? I don't know. I just am. Well, didn't you struggle with this? Yes, but you know what? I'm better than you. I don't know why. But we do that. We, we live this hypocritical lifestyle and we might be struggling with something or we might be struggling with doubt or issues in our own lives and yet we will pass judgment on other people for struggling with the same things and somehow think we're better. Because pride has told us, the pride in our hearts has told us we are better. And it doesn't matter if we're struggling with the same thing because of our economic situation, the color of our skin or whatever, we are better. And so just because we might struggle with the same thing, it doesn't matter. So we become hypocrites. And that's one of the people's, uh, a lot of people's issue with church today. I don't want to go to church. It's full of hypocrites. I mean, yeah, it happens. We do that from time to time. We're all hypocrites from time to time. But yet, it should not be a defining thing. I have said that before. I have said that before to people. It's like, yeah, come to church. It's full of hypocrites. Don't worry about it. We're all hypocrites. You too. Without realizing, you know what? That should not be okay. We should not be striving to say, hey, yeah, we're all hypocrites. No, we should work to not be. We should work to not be that. But we will be if we allow pride to take place in our life. Pride causes entitlement. I deserve. Insert whatever here. I deserve it. I deserve it. We believe we're owed things simply because of who we are. Because I am the customer, I believe that you need to do whatever I say and you need to accept the fact that I can be rude to you because I'm the customer. I'm the customer. And so you we see that, you know, the Karens out there in the world. And if your name is Karen, I'm sorry. But the thing is, that mentality also happens in a Christian context as well. We deserve to be gatekeepers. We decide how you dress, how you look, how you talk. And we will tell you if you deserve to be part of this community or not. And we become gatekeepers. We become entitled. God, God told me. I, I'm always wary of people when people tell me God told me something nowadays. Because, I mean, you never know. Uh, well, I, I remember one time I had a situation where 
<laughs> a friend of mine told me that someone else, one of our former classmates, told us, like, you know, he came up to me today and he told me, he says, God told me that to tell you to give me your car. And he's like, well, God didn't tell me, so... Why? Because he was somehow felt he was entitled to someone else's belongings simply because of who he was. Simply because of who he was. Now I hope he has learned since then. But the truth is, we become entitled to those things. People owe you things. People deserve to treat me better because of who I am. Leaders deserve to treat me better because of who I am. I deserve to get paid because of such and such. I deserve this. I deserve that. People owe me. Life owes you. Life should be kinder to me. It's not fair we whine when we don't get the things we want. Our life doesn't go our way. Life's not fair. That's not fair. I should insert thing here. Because it owes us. God owes us. You know, I've been going to church all my life. I've been doing these things. I pray every day. I read my Bible. God owes me this. God owes me. We become entitled. Think that we are deserved all kinds of things simply because pride tells us that's true. That we are better somehow without realizing the harm we are really causing people. Pride kills love. C.S. Lewis said, pride is a spiritual cancer. It eats up the very possibility of love or contentment or even common sense. You ever see people that like the things that they're saying, the arguments that they're making, they just don't even make sense. That's because of pride. I was like, it doesn't make any sense. How, how does that even make sense? People constantly moving goalposts. People constantly changing their standards of who deserves love or who not, deserves not to be loved. Because pride has corrupted their hearts and is not allowing them to be even happy with themselves. They can't love themselves properly. They can't love others properly. They can't love God properly. They might call themselves a Christian, but they are in a place where they don't even understand love and what God has done for us and what he has asked us to do for others. Pride kills love. Pride will kill our love. So we have to learn then how to overcome pride because if we allow it to take place, take the number one space in our lives, we will become a people, we will become a person who people hate, not because we love Jesus, not because we are a Christian, simply because we are unkind, unloving, hateful people. And we have determined that we are somehow better because we believe in Jesus. When the truth is... That is not what God has asked us to do at all, but instead to live in humility. He said, don't live in pride, live in humility. So how do we defeat pride? Partially with humility, but let's go, let's find out. First of all, we have to call it out. We have to recognize it. This man in the parable Jesus told, he understood his place. Not he, not not that he was deserving of hate or anything yet, but he understood that he wasn't better than anyone around him. He understood that I struggle the same as everyone else around me. He understood that simply because he was there in the temple, he didn't deserve better treatment from God or anyone else. Yet instead, he called out to God and he says, I recognize, I know that I need grace. 
I know that I need God in my life. We have to call it out as it is. Because we will never be able to deal with pride in our life, much less any other sin, if we refuse to call it out for what it is. If we refuse to recognize it. That's why in this series we talked about the importance of self-reflection. Sometimes we can't even recognize the sin in our life, the pride in our life, because we don't take time to look deeply into our own selves, into our own hearts. But we have to. If we want to overcome pride, we have to look at ourselves, recognize the pride in our life and call it out. That's step one, of course, you know. We have to call it out. But it doesn't end there. Secondly, to counteract it, we have to deal with the sources of pride in our lives. So we have to, instead of being having no close relationships, we got to find close relationships. We need to get people to help us see the dangers in our own lives. We can't often see the things that other people see. That's why we need perspective. You know, one of the things they do in, in business is that they have secret shoppers for businesses, for hotels, for things like that. They, they hire people from the outside. And they come into these businesses and the hotels and they secretly evaluate the services that they receive. They evaluate the customer service. They evaluate the quality of things. They look in and they see all of this stuff and then they come back and they report on it. Sometimes they'll find startling discrepancies like they thought that they were doing really well and find out that it's not. Or that they've been, that, that some people in their own organization are discriminating or other things like that. They will discover these things that they can't see because they're always there. The reason why we need close people in our lives, the reason why we need godly close friendships in our lives is because we can't always see what's there. We need people. God designed humanity to live in community with each other. And if we refuse to do that, we're never going to be able to get past the struggles. They will continue to come back again and again and again because we don't have another pair of eyes. We need secret shoppers in our own lives. We need people to help us. Godly friends, good friends that maybe they're not perfect, but they can see you, they know you, and can help us get out of that. Call out the dangers in our lives. Thirdly, we need to practice gratitude. We need to practice gratitude. How many of us outside from Thanksgiving actually take some time out of our day to say, hey, I'm thankful for this? It's not something that we typically think about doing. And maybe we do, but we do it in passing. We wake up in the morning and say, thank God for this day. Flat out, cover everything. Just do that. Or at the end of our day, it's like, I thank you, God, for everything that you did. We, we can't even name it because we don't even know. We're not really grateful, but we're just saying it because that's what we're supposed to say. But I mean legitimately, really practice gratitude. Take some time, five minutes in your day to say, hey, these are three things today that I am grateful for. I am thankful to God for. Because the more we practice gratitude, the more we will allow God to be present in our lives. Psalm 24 says, it's not Psalm 24, Psalm 100 says, we enter his gates through thanksgiving. We enter into the presence of God with gratitude. How can we enter into the presence of God or know God or be close to God if our hearts are never grateful for the things that we have or things that he has done for us? So we need to practice gratitude. We need to take, make an effort to be thankful for it. God, I'm thankful today because my shoes, I like my shoes. God, I'm thankful today because I ate today. God, I'm thankful today for, for 
air conditioning. I don't know. Thankful for the weather. It has been hot. And now it's getting a little bit of fall weather. I'm thankful for that today. We need to practice gratitude. Because the more we do it, the more we will feel inclined to do it, and the easier it will be to recognize when we have been blessed, when God has given us something in our lives. And to realize that it's not because of who we are, Because gratitude, without gratitude, we don't realize that it comes from somewhere else. And we think that everything is just because of who we are. If we practice gratitude, we realize that there's a lot that we get, we receive. Some of it we don't deserve, but simply because people are kind or love us, or God is kind and good and he loves us. And we receive from outside ourselves. Number four, we need to trust God through giving up our worry through prayer. Prayerlessness is a result. So if we want to counteract pride in our lives, we have to counteract worry. We have to counteract uh, our struggles and a bit, just everything that we go through by giving it to God. The Word of God tells us anything that you are anxious about, whatever it might be, whatever you're struggling with, the struggles of your life, bring them to God. Cast your cares on God because He cares for you. That's learning to practice trust in God. Realizing that we can't do everything about every situation. I don't know about you, but I, I, I struggle with control sometimes. I struggle with things that are outside of my control. And I think that is a common thing. When we, when we can't trust God, it's because we want to control the situation or we would rather determine the outcome. Well, God, you know, man, that guy seems so nice, so sweet. How come I can't have him? How come I can't have her? How come I can't do that? We want to control the situation. No, God, I know better. But the more we come to God in prayer, the more we practice prayer in our lives and giving up the things that are in life, even the daily things, God, the little things in our life. I need you to take my work today. When I go to work, I need you to help me be there. I need you to, I'm going to see my family, and you know that I struggle sometimes with my family. I need you to be there. I, I struggle with this. I struggle. We need to give it over to God because the more we do that, the more we trust God. And the less we trust in ourselves and realize I can't do everything. But God takes care of me when I can't. I've seen that in my life. The moments where I have felt like I didn't have anything where I didn't know where my next meal was going to come from, or I didn't know what I was going to be able to deal with this next week. Yet God stepped in and provided. God stepped in and took care of me. Not always, sometimes with money, I was blessed with the, the Pentecostal handshake, we call it, where they give you a good old handshake, and you find a $100 bill, $20 bill, $50 bill in your hand, Pentecostal handshake. Or I was blessed with that. Or someone came out of nowhere and said, hey, we made this food. We had way too much. Here you go. I have seen God do these things, but that we can only experience that and truly appreciate it if we bring our lives to God in prayer. We counteract prayerlessness by making an effort to spend time in God's presence and pray. And lastly, number five, I'm about to close We need to practice humility through serving. Practice humility through serving. Most of us would rather have people do things for us rather than us do things for other people. If we're honest with ourselves. 
I would rather have someone else change my oil, wash my car, cut my lawn, do all the things that I need to do at home. I would much rather that than somebody else. Because time, you know, I feel like I don't get time to relax and time to wait. But we need to learn that pride is destroyed the more we practice serving others in humility. That's what Jesus said of himself. He said, I didn't come here to be served. I came here to serve. One of the most beautiful examples of that is that the, the night before his crucifixion, he washed his disciples' feet. And that's a weird thing for us today, but it was a common thing that people did because they walked through dirty streets and things like that, and they wanted to be clean when they entered in the home before they ate. And Jesus bowed down to do this task that was supposed to be designated for like the lowest servant in the whole household. And Jesus took that role upon himself. And he says, I'm not here to serve. I'm not here to be served, rather. I am here to serve. I'm here to love. Because service teaches us love. Service teaches us humility. And the more we take that into consideration, the more we practice that in our lives, the harder it will be for pride to take hold in our lives. I found myself once uh, cleaning the floor in our annex building. And there was gum on the floor. I hate gum on the floor. Tile is easier to clean up. It's harder when it's when it's uh, carpet. But luckily it's tile over there. But it was still a difficult job. And I found myself doing that. Trying to do everything I could to get the gum off of the tile. And as I did that, I thought to myself, God, this is beyond me. Why am I still doing this? Someone else should do this, not me. I'm, I'm the pastor. Why do I have to clean the toilets? Why do I have to clean gl- 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 gum off the floor? Why do I have to do this? And I remember the Holy Spirit whispering into my mind in that moment and told me, he says, the fact that you think that is the reason why you're still here. I still have something to teach you. And I broke in that moment. I realized... <laughs> I have the wrong attitude here. I should be grateful to do this because I have been called to serve. I have been called to love. So what can we do? Find a way to serve here in church if you can. If not, find a way to serve in your neighborhood. You see trash on the street, pick it up. Make your world a better place. If you see someone in need, serve them in the way that you can. Do what you can. Don't be prideful. Don't let pride take root in your heart when you think that you are better than everyone else and you are the ultimate decider of how people should be or how they should follow Jesus or who who is even welcome in this place. No, we are supposed to be humble. Jesus said, the church is the expression of who I am in this world. And if Jesus bent down to wash the feet of those, of even the one who would betray him, if he reached down to touch those who society cast out and said because of their sickness, because of their disease, because of their profession, they do not deserve a place in the temple. If Jesus did that, then we need to do the same. We need to learn what it is to destroy pride in our lives and work towards humility. It's not that Jesus wasn't powerful. It's not that God didn't have power or God doesn't have that. But he didn't use it to 
put down others, to shame others, or to hurt them. He used it to love, to hope, to give hope, and to heal. That is the church. And I pray as we close this series out today, that we take what we've learned in this place, that we take the opportunity to give differently, to reflect on ourselves differently, to be different people, to be a church that Jesus would look down and take pride in instead of one that he would need to knock down because of pride. So let's stand in this moment. What we need to do today, the first call of action that we have today is the first thing I said. We need to call it out. We need to call it out in our own lives. We need to call it out in the church. We need to look at it for what it is and give it over to Jesus and say, yeah, I recognize there's pride there. There's pride in my heart. There's pride in my life. Sometimes I have treated people as they were less than simply because I'm a Christian. I have done things that I shouldn't have. I I have hurt people instead of love them. We need to call it out in our own lives, in our churches. I say, God, forgive us. Let us take that first step towards healing and growth to become new. Because that's what Jesus offers today. He said, if you come to me, you are a new creation. So let God create us new again. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you. We thank you for this opportunity today. We thank you for the truth of your word. And though it is sometimes hard to hear, we come before you in this moment and take that first step of action and call out pride. God, show us the pride in our lives. Show us the pride in our institutions. Show us the pride wherever we might find it so that we can make steps, make an effort, God, to break it down. That we can make an effort to be grateful, that we can make an effort to trust you, God, that we can make an effort to be humble and to serve. So help us, Jesus. Holy Spirit, call it out and forgive us of the sin of pride so that we can be who you want us to be in this world, a place of hope, of healing, love. God, help us to be that in this world today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name we pray. We hope you've enjoyed this message. We'd love to hear your story about how you've been blessed by this ministry or how we can pray for you. To connect with us, you can email us at amen at myemmanuelchurch.com. And if you would like to support us financially, you can give online at myemmanuelchurch.com slash give. Also, if you're in the area, we'd love to see you in person for the full worship experience. Thanks again, and we hope you have a blessed week.